simplicity is uh, is is very difficult to do and to get uh, a, a sense of the the profound uh, and emotional maybe I hesitate to use spiritual depth out of just playing two notes at a time three notes at a time just major or minor chords uh, that there's so much to that and I think that aspect of of steel guitar music especially that song and and of country music in general um, has stayed with me this is essential tremors i'm lee gardner i'm matt byers the idea behind this show is to have musicians and other creators talk about songs that shaped who they are we're not looking for favorite songs necessarily we're also not looking for songs that they'd choose to take with them if they were stranded on a desert island what we're looking for are songs that have significance to them songs that might have changed the course of their creative lives or their lives in general Susan Alcorn spent years playing her pedal steel guitar in country bands across Texas. But she has also taken the instrument into less typical territory, applying its sinuous tones to jazz, free improvisation, tango, and her personal blend of all of the above. In this episode, she recalls her seminal encounters with 20th century composition, free jazz, and a steel player's steel player. The first song Alcorn chose was Amérique by French composer Edgard Varèse. First song um, is uh, Amarique, uh, a symphony by uh, Edgar Varese, and um, that is the only, I believe, symphonic uh, piece that he that he wrote, or at least that I know of. Most of his other things are electronic or for percussion instruments or whatever. And I think I bought that album. I was maybe 14 years old or something. I wasn't even, you know, wasn't driving, you know. Uh, so by that time, I had um, I had listened to Frank Zappa's Mothers of Invention's first album, Freak Out, and on that on the album cover, he had a big long list of all of his 
influences the people he loved. And, uh, and a few quotes by people that, that he, he didn't really care for. And, um, and then I think there was a, a quote about Verez on there. And I thought, well, I, you know, I want to hear this. You know, back then you couldn't just go onto YouTube or, or, uh, or something online. You know, you had to go to a record store. And uh, I was living in uh, the time in Maitland, Florida outside of Orlando, Florida. It's an interesting place, but it was not the cultural capital of the world and, you know, not lots of interesting record stores. So, um, and I didn't drive. Well, we lived on a lake and there was these canals between the lakes. And so um, I got in a little boat and paddled my way, you know, spent half the day and I went to a record store and ordered it and, and came back and I listened to it over and over and over again and I used to like uh, in the living room I would dance listening to it and there there's just something about the um, you know it has that little flute line da, ba, 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 ba. and then there then there's this kind of uh, uh, you know you've got a little bit of dissonance and it goes and it just it hits me physically and with me I think it's music that somehow I relate to on a physical level. It just gets into my bones or nervous system. And um, it was all downhill from there. You talk about Frank Zappa sort of leading you to that. What did uh, Verace then lead you to? Well, I would say it's kind of a circuitous, circuitous route. Um, I think eventually my love for Verace and my interest in his music and that sound which related to me I related to him physically I think that that started to uh, lead me to listen to more you know what they call 20th century classical music and so that that led to um, Penderecki eventually to Messiaen uh, and then today to Ligeti to all kinds of all kinds of composers from, from that that genre to atonalism Schoenberg, uh, Alban Berg. So, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, it just opened my ears and then that little, that little, you know, canal in my ear, you know, just sort of led to different, different places. I'm, I'm fascinated by your description of dancing to it in your living room um, when you were a teenager. Jumping from the couch onto the floor. Was this, was this like an interpretive dance, or did you develop a routine that went with the piece, like a pro- <laughs> programmatic sort of thing? Oh, yeah, I had my, you know, no, it was all, I mean, I was just, I was just being a kid, you know, just being crazy and, you know, when no one else was around. I, I never performed it, although maybe I could today. <laughs> Alcorn's second song that she considers formative to her development is Blue Jade by pedal steel guitarist Buddy Emmons. So the second song is um, a tune called Blue Jade uh, by Buddy Emmons, which was recorded uh, in 1963 on an album called Emmons Steel Guitar Company. And um, that's one of the songs that I listened to when I first started playing pedal steel guitar. And my route to pedal steel guitar, I started playing acoustic guitar, then I played electric guitar, and uh, was, was very much into blues, and sometimes into psychedelic music. And then uh, I reached a point where I decided I never wanted to play an electric instrument again. 
So I sold my 1957 Fender Stratocaster guitar that my parents had bought me at a used uh, music store for $150 and got a dobro. And I, I had I had always loved slide instruments. I loved Muddy Waters. Uh, I loved the uh, the dobro uh, the dobro master uh, Michael Aldrich. And I started hearing pedal steel and I said yeah that's that's nice and I tried to do that on dobro but I couldn't quite you know get those string bends um, there's a way to do it but it's not easy it's not that precise and perhaps not that musically interesting then I saw someone play one at a uh, at a bar and uh, loved the, the sound and the, the visual aspect of the instrument so much that I, uh, I immediately went out and bought one and the first steel guitar player I listened to uh, was Buddy Emmons. And that's the first steel guitar album that I bought um, in the uh, mid-70s. And, uh, or it was a gift in the mid-70s. And um, Blue Jade is, is simple. It's only maybe four chords, maybe five chords. And they're all just plain old major or minor chords. But to play that song with the, uh, the beauty uh, th that he plays it with, the profundity uh, takes such such control and, and, and such a, a, a very well-developed sense of touch. It's a very difficult song to play well. And um, so one of the things that um, that that song sort of that I, that I got from that and, and other steel guitar music that I listened to at the time. Uh, Lloyd Green, Jimmy Day, Hal Rugg, some of the other uh, names that only, usually mostly only steel guitar players know, was that simplicity is, uh, is, is very difficult to do and to get a, a, a sense of the, the profound, uh, an emotional, maybe I hesitate to use spiritual depth out of just playing two notes at a time, three notes at a time, just major or minor chords, uh, that there's so much to that. And I think that aspect of, of steel guitar music, especially that song, and, and of country music in general, um, has stayed with me. The, the, there's a direct expression that's, uh, that's uh, difficult to get, uh, I mean, you know what they would call uh, deceptively simple, but uh, you know, I think I think that's what the the human psyche, you know, has a need for. You know, something that just speaks right at you. Did you find it daunting when you were just first learning to play pedal steel and hearing something like that? Um, everything. When you first, anyone who starts playing pedal steel guitar finds everything about that instrument daunting. It takes you years to even get a sound that you know won't make cats want to run out of the house. Um, so it was daunting, and of course, me, you know, idiot that I am, that's one of the first things I tried to play. <laughs> uh, and now sometimes I'll play it. Like I don't very often get a chance to play that kind of music, but every once in a while I do, and and that's a tune that just, you know, I just can't help it because it's so it's so beautiful. So, um, I forgot what your question was. Oh, just about being daunted. Yeah, it was difficult. And, and, and all that is difficult to play. Mm -hmm. Daunting. 
very much daunting. When you were first learning to play pedal steel, you weren't a professional musician at that point, right? Actually, I was. Um, and I had played other instruments. I would take my pedal steel to the gigs, and uh, people would would kind of like groan when they saw me bringing it in because I couldn't play it very well. And I, you know, that's a that's a lifelong struggle with playing something like that well. And then eventually, uh, I started playing, you know, more straightforward country western music with with bands that you know did that in bars. And um, when I first started playing, I, I didn't know how to back up a singer, so I just play all the time, and everybody would be like, "Oh, jeez, the other musicians." And then some. And then uh, that was when I was uh, in the Chicago area, and there would be like I'd be playing with bands. And these people all played well, and I was just, you know, raw. And so we'd be playing, and they they would look at each other, and they'd be standing behind me, and they'd change the key all of a sudden. They'd modulate, and I'm like, oh my god, where where where, where am I? And uh, so, you know, I think maybe I developed a little chip on my shoulder from that. But I think it, in retrospect, it was good. It kind of sharpened my instincts a little bit and forced me to to listen a little bit more carefully. The final song chosen by Alcorn was John Coltrane's Ohm. So the third song is Ohm by John Coltrane. I first heard Ohm probably around the same time that um, that I started listening to Verez. Back in the uh, the late 60s, FM radio was a big thing, and you know, underground radio stations were all over the place. Every every city had one, and especially late at night, the music would the the DJs would play anything. They'd play what they liked. Um, and I used to listen to the radio falling asleep at night, and that's a habit that, I mean, probably millions of people, millions of, of, of kids did, and that's what I did. And that followed me through, you know, whatever early musical journeys I was on, you know, listening to uh, the Beatles or Dave Clark Five or Petula Clark singing Downtown or, or, or whatever, you know, psychedelic music and blues and, and whatever. So I think, to an extent, that's that's how... At that time, we were exposed to different kinds of music, as there were just these these disc jockeys and these these uh, FM radio stations late at night, who just you know were fanatics about it and would play whatever they felt like. So I was um, I was in bed, lights were off, and I was maybe I don't know 14, 13 maybe I don't know, and um, John Coltrane had had died. Not too long before that, and the uh, the disc jockey uh, announced that this was a song he was going to play from an album entitled uh, "John Coltrane: His Greatest Years." I mean, I, I I can remember that like it was like it was yesterday. And he said, "This is." I thought he said "Invocation to Ohm," but maybe it was just "Ohm" or "Ohm Invocation" or something. And he played that, and that sort of um, 
I felt like, um, I'm not sure you would call that free jazz, but that sort of, you know, those tonalities, the sound that Coltrane got, and that just incredible spiritual presence that's that's inescapable, I think, in his music, especially the, the later years, uh, just, just overwhelmed me. I got in my little boat and uh, went to Winter Park, Florida and ordered that one. So that was like my uh, my record collection by boat. That um, that led me to Albert Eiler, um, Ornette Coleman, and a lot of the, the free improvisation that, that I seem to sort of play a lot of these days. Well, it also seems to me that, that you know, there's, a, in a lot of their music, a lot of your music, there's a certain spiritual quality as well. And do you think that traces its way back to things like Coltrane? Um, yes and no. Spiritual is kind of a funny word and, and kind of loaded in, in some ways. Although, you know, we use it to describe something. It's so spiritual. Uh, to me, uh, I, I don't have a word for it. You know, it's something that's that's deep and, and uh, important. And I think that, like like all of us, just to some ex- to some extent or another, that's what I've always tried to sort of m- maybe achieve in my music. Achieve this this certain sense where I, I used to play in, in. I had a trio one time doing sort of improvised music, and there were times when when I felt I start playing. And I'd feel like I'm not even playing anymore. Something's just coming down through me. It was that way with uh, when I played country music too down in Texas. Uh, we would play, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, Ray Price uh, uh, shuffles, and we'd play in what we would call it would be the the groove. The groove, you know, we were just in the groove, and it was just something that would just happen. Yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, before and then immediately afterwards there's there's this thing and we'd all look at each other we wouldn't say anything but we'd we'd look at it and we all knew it and i think that that his music maybe informed me of of certain ways to go about that i mean his 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 influence on anyone who's who's ever listened to him is is inescapable and me also and especially That's Baltimore-based pedal steel guitarist and experimental musician Susan Alcorn talking about three songs that shaped who she is. Essential Tremors is hosted and distributed by AudioStack and WYPR Baltimore. Look for and subscribe to our podcast at wypr.org slash podcastcentral, including Knock Knock Who's There? Driven by dares, rumors, or just plain curiosity, this podcast is about opening doors and finding out who or what lies behind them. Also from WIPR is Out of the Blocks, a uniquely immersive listening experience that emerges from a mosaic of voices and soundscapes on the streets of Baltimore. A custom-tailored score colors and connects this tapestry of stories hidden in plain sight. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh.